This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to the B2B Growth Show Monthly Book Talk. I'm Douglas Burdett, host of the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book to help me and my listeners keep up with the latest ideas in the quickly changing world of marketing and sales. And joining me is my friend James Muir, author of The Perfect Close, The Secret to Closing Sales. In this monthly episode of the B2B Growth Show, we recap some of the key ideas from the marketing and sales books recently featured on the Marketing Book Podcast. Now, I read every book featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, but James reads even more books than I do. And he listens to every episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. So I'm delighted that he can join me. A lot of listeners ask us for book recommendations. So if either of us can recommend any marketing or sales books or other resources for whatever situation you find yourself in or what you'd like to learn more about, please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn where we can chat and we will do our best to point you in the right direction and maybe even save you some time. James, welcome back to the B2B Growth Show Book Talk. Thank you, Douglas. I do indeed read every book and listen to every episode because Douglas Burdett has really great taste in books. I'm serious about <laughs> it's that. Yeah, yeah. The host is not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but his guests are phenomenal. And they do most of the talking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in this episode of Book Talk, we're going to talk about four recent books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, which are Miss the Marketing, Banish the Misconceptions and Become a Great Marketer by Grant Leboff, Content Marketing Engineered, Build Trust and Convert Buyers with Technical Content by Wendy Covey. Also, Purple Goldfish 2.0, 10 Ways to Attract Raving Customers by Stan Phelps and Evan Carroll. And finally, The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health, and How We Must Adapt by Sanan Aral. So first up, we've got Myths of Marketing, Banish the Misconceptions of Become a Great Marketer by Grant Leboff. And you know, last time we kicked off with the myths of social media. And this time we're kicking off with uh, the myths of marketing. So tell us a little bit about your interview with Grant. This book is part of a series by the publisher Kogan Page, their myth series. And like you said, we talked about myths of social media, and this is the myths of marketing. And in this book, uh, Grant Leboff has 26 or 28 different myths. Really interesting the way he presented it. And this book, I just got really excited about, probably because it kind of lit my fuse, because I feel like I've been taking crazy pills all these years. <laughs> and he was actually able to put into words a lot of the myths that I deal with uh, on a on a weekly basis, talking to companies or particularly talking to uh, prospects, and uh, it was extremely well uh, sourced. And there were uh, three. I, let me just tell you my three favorite ones, and you can mention some of the ones that you remember. But my three favorites were myth number eleven: business to business purchases are purely based on logic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, B two B purchases, I would argue, are actually more emotional for people than buying something the, uh, that a consumer would buy. In part because if you buy a bad 
roofing job or a bad car or some product for yourself, you know, that's on you. But if you buy the wrong thing for your company, it affects your it's, reputation. It's your, got career ramifications. Yes. Yeah. For the rest of your career, you're known as the person that bought that a horrible, uh, you know, CRM or, or whatever it was you bought uh, or the wrong uh, kind of vehicles for your fleet or whatever. And it actually might even affect the long-term viability of your company. So it's actually much more emotional and people are worried about uh, other things like status and turf and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. he explains why B2B purchases are are based almost purely on emotion. And of course, if you are able to tap into some of your customers' emotions, you know, their latent anxieties and desires, you're actually going to be more effective because they're going to sense that you understand them better. Uh, So that's an implication for marketing and sales. Uh, Myth number 19 was the focus of marketing communications should be on a company's products or services. Jeez. Mm, <laughs> so, which is actually, uh, absolutely die. wrong. <laughs> yes, you'll die. And uh, you know, now we're at a point where if you're not talking about something that interests someone, they're going to filter you out anyway. There aren't many messages that we have to listen to now. You know, there's no more captive audience. And if, again, just like with the, the business, business purchases being based on logic, if you are focused more on your products and services, you're asking the higher order of their brain to be working. And really, the, <laughs> the animal brain is what uh, is is going to get the selfish part? Yeah, yeah the selfish <laughs> part. And so, if you talk about their their fears, their concerns, their frustrations, or their uh, you know their uh, aspirations, only then might they become interested in your products or services. So he explains that beautifully. And another myth that I loved is number twenty two. I instinctively understand my customer. Uh. Now, so many companies think they know their customers or you know companies know a lot less than they than they want to know and you know in the agency business when we are armed with information about a a prospect or a client's customers they are always so surprised and meaning they they're always so interested to learn about it and it's not that hard to go interview customers and find out about them but companies get so uh, engrossed in their own operations that they they don't um really pay attention to their customers. And the most successful companies now, uh, as in this more accelerated velocity of business that we're in and technology, the most successful ones are the ones that understand their customers better, which leads to all kinds of benefits. I think after, what, 300 episodes or so of of, uh, book reviews that that has been probably the strongest, most common theme amongst all of success that's reported in these books is just understanding your customer. Without a doubt. That is number one. And it's the hardest thing for companies to do. No doubt. I guess for for whatever reason, it seems like it's counterintuitive. So there's some other fun stuff in this book. And and your interview, by the way, is excellent. So the listeners should go and listen because you're, you're able to cover quite a few of the myths in the interview. So that's just three of, I think, what, 26. I'm looking at it right here. Uh, some you know fun little bits, you know little uh, tidbits like the uh, pricing experiment that shows that things are sold more with a nine at the end of the oh. <laughs> uh, of the price tag, and yeah. he's got this um, this communication framework uh, that he's he's sort of replacing the four P's, you know, promotion, price, mm-hmm. place, and product with um, Cave. Yeah, which is communication, access, value, and uh, and experience. I think is how he. Yeah, he talks about we're going into the experience economy. We're not in the information economy anymore, which is a very 
true uh, thing. And and we'll, you know, the people, uh, the more that you can do, and we'll talk about this in a, another book in the session about customer experience. It's, mm-hmm. it's becoming the big differentiator. And you know what a big part of customer experience is? How you yeah. sell. No doubt. The experience, <laughs> the very experience, right, itself needs to add value and be different. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, his one takeaway on this uh, interview was just to understand what marketing can and can't do. That's, of course, the, the point of all the myths. And uh, because knowing the difference can have a massive impact. And then the one thing he thought that listeners could do is just to understand that marketing is about creating value for customers and to go back and look at your value proposition, you know, see if you can tweak it in some way to make it more relevant or more exciting to uh, customers. Yeah. In other words, uh, rather than thinking you can put lipstick on a pig, well, focus on the pig. (laughs) What what is it you're doing? That's a big part of marketing, actually, is making sure that your product fits a need. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think this is a, a particularly good interview because you and, and Grant were able to cover so many of the 26 myths. So I think listeners should go back and catch the full interview. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we've got Content Marketing Engineered, Build Trust and Convert Buyers with Technical Content by Wendy Covey. And you know, this is a, a terrific guide to engaging uh, technical buyers and engineers with your content. So tell us a little bit about your interview with Wendy Covey. Well, like a lot of buyers, whether they're technical buyers or not, they're doing a lot of research before they engage with the vendor. (laughs) You know, like I like to say, when my dad wanted to buy a car, he had to go to the dealership pretty early on. When my wife wanted to buy a car, that was the absolute last last she went. That's right. She got all her information somewhere else. So, the technical buyer is generally analytical and very skeptical of marketing. They're, they have even more sensitive BS meters. And one of the most effective things that companies can do is share their expertise through really high-quality content. And it has to be really buttoned up. So you you almost have to have technical people helping with your content to make sure that it's that it's not, um, you know, it doesn't come across as, as marketing. And so in her book, yeah, she, uh, Wendy, and she's with a, a marketing agency in uh, Austin, Texas, where they help companies that need to market to engineers. And uh, her former partner, who's left, Rebecca Geyer, wrote a book called Smart Marketing for Engineers. So this was, they had a lot in common, and I liked it uh, quite a bit, just given my interest in industrial companies and, and, and manufacturers. But it walks you through all the different types of content that you could be producing to appeal to this technical, skeptical, analytical buyer. And there's a lot of things you should make sure to avoid. Otherwise, you're going to be you're going to be uh, sniffed out, and you know they're 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 going to know they're being BSed. But there was one part of the book that was my absolute favorite, and that was uh, towards the end where she was showing if you're having these kinds of sales problems, like in one column of the book. There must yeah. have been fifteen of them. Then I'm looking do, at this table right now. Yeah. Then create this kind of content, and yeah. I just I loved it because it's going to help marketers tremendously. It's going to help salespeople even more, and I think there would be a lot of light bulbs going off over the heads of salespeople saying, "Oh wow, now I see what you're doing. Yeah, this would actually help me." And so you know, it was uh, I you know I love content marketing. I think it's you know one of the few marketing 
uh, tactics that, <laughs> that actually works and that it's still very very uh, effective. You have to do, you have to do it right. There's there's a lot of content out there, so it's it's there's there's many other things you have to do now. You can't just publish and go from there. You have to promote your content. So, you know, if if someone is working for a company where they are selling to a technical buyer of any kind, and you are new to content marketing, this is the book to read. I agree, uh, and uh, and I've done it. Now, I was going to ask you, even though I've got a little more to add on this book, but um, you you, know, you specialize in manufacturing, right? Marketing right. Yeah. Well, we'd like to work so, with. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you end up working with a lot of engineers then? Yeah. 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 So you know this world world well. Yeah, and there's pluses and minuses to that. I mean, they uh, the the thing about working with you know engineers or or manufacturers is they tend to accept the advice of experts. Uh, they are much more realistic about planning. You know, like <laughs> they don't, I, I'm going to make fun of SaaS companies, but they don't expect 100% growth in the next six months. Year over year, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they're, they're much more realistic and they, they really understand planning. They're very logical. And much of uh, modern marketing is very much uh, about uh, building a machine, uh, a marketing machine, and then constantly testing and iterating. And in fact, in this book... Yeah, I was going to say, she compares uh, content creation to manufacturing. Yeah, right? building a machine. And, and yeah. he was the uh, chief operating officer of HubSpot who wrote the introduction, and he was talking about how a lot of modern marketing is very much like manufacturing, where you have to build something before you can start reaping the rewards, and then you are constantly monitoring and testing and iterating. I mean, it is really a perfect analogy for modern uh, marketing. Yep, that was good. I also thought of super relevant, and maybe one of the tips worth highlighting is the 90-10 rule, right? In terms of what's in your content, 90% needs to be valuable, useful material, and only 10% promotional because technical buyers, it's Getting, getting trust with engineers is not an easy task. And so you can't spend very much time getting promotional about it or they'll get turned off. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes when I'm talking to a new uh, client or a prospect and we were explaining that concept to them, there's a certain unease like, no, I want to talk about myself. Well, <laughs> this, is, this isn't advertising. You know, yeah, if you're not helpful or educational or, or, or providing value of any kind, they're going to tune you out. You know, there's a sense of reciprocity that people have when they have been helped, though. They're they're willing to listen and learn more about how you might be able to help them, but only if you've helped them first. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, I agree with you. That that troubleshooting sales with marketing efforts table is probably, you know, worth the, the price of the whole book is oh, worth just that, yes. just that one table. Because if you have this problem, then do this thing. If you have this problem, and there's probably, I don't know, let me like count this. There's probably 10 items in that little diagnostic uh, table that she's got there. So I thought it was great. Yes. Her, uh, her one takeaway was that just to know that there's some very practical things that you can do uh, with technical buyers right now, and, and the book is literally oozing with that. And then the one thing she thought that listeners could do is to create a, a content marketing plan using content clusters is what she calls them in the book um, that's, that is provided in the book. Basically, it's going back to the planning stage. And so I think this book is a great resource for um, marketing and selling to a technical audience. I think it explores all the best practices around generating content, empowering sales, um, tracking performance. You know, And I think it's got a great framework for doing all of that. And Wendy is the record holder for the largest... Redfish she caught 
years ago. <laughs> I heard that at the beginning of the interview. <laughs> so she's a championship angler, and and she's a hunter. They 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 actually own a part of a, a ranch where they they hunt these animals. So uh, typical, you know, Texas women. You know, I don't know where you get all these factoids. You hunters, amazing. fishers, very attractive. So you know, well, you see, people say to me. Uh, James Muir, that, uh, you know, you must learn a lot from reading all these hundreds of books. And I say, no, actually, I don't. It all kind of goes in one ear, not the other. But I do remember all the trivia. <laughs> You're probably the dead, deadly at Trivial Pursuit then. Well, yeah, if they asked me, uh, if there was a Trivial Pursuit game about authors on the marketing book. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And they're fishing and hunting habits. That's right. Yes. That's right. All right. Well, next up, we've got Purple Goldfish 2.0. Speaking of fish. Ten- yes. <laughs> Two, 10 Ways to Attract Raving Customers by Stan Phelps and Evan Carroll. I, by the way, I really love this book, but this book is about attracting raving customers by going the extra mile. So tell us a little bit about Purple Goldfish 2.0. So all of Stan's books are some different color of a goldfish. So he talks about you know all different uh, different aspects of, uh, you know, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's uh, technology, uh, how to hire, you know, all these different operational things for companies. And... He. This is the only one I think he's updated uh, for 2.0, but Purple Goldfish is much more about the bird in the hand rather than two in the bush. Now, what do I mean by that? Too many companies are obsessed with trying to get more net new customers when what they should be doing is use their customers to market for them by giving their customers <laughs> a great experience. Right. And there's a... A page in the book here where he says, in today's climate, you need to stand out by answering two important questions. One, what is valued by your customers? Go figure. (laughs) And most companies don't know that. It was just like we were talking about earlier. They just don't really, they, they don't understand their customers. And number two, can you deliver on those things that are valued and create some signature elements of added value to create differentiation. Can you deliver on those things that are valued? Too many companies are delivering on things that are valued by the company, but not by the customer. And uh, then in his book, they, you know, he talks about all the different ways that you can layer on that value. And there's this uh, term, a Creole term, lanyap which means doing a little something extra. And uh, everyone I know who's like from New Orleans knows that term, meaning you you uh, kind of like a baker's dozen where you get a little right. extra, but it's a little unexpected. And he talks about how uh, Vince Lombardi had this theory of there's no such thing as being on time. You're either early or you're late. And so the same thing with meeting your customer expectations. No one's meeting their customer expectations. They're either exceeding them or they're not meeting expectations. Right. Right. <laughs> so he talks about all the different ways, and they're not they're not hard to do, but they do require some thought. And again, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, a record was a vinyl disc that was once put on a turntable. <laughs> like, like, hey, for the younger listeners, yes. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, and it would sometimes skip and it would keep repeating itself. <laughs> oh, and it's questionable whether eight tracks were any improvement over. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> but the it has to do with understanding your customer. He has all kinds of examples in the book. It is really, you know, not only is the book talking about over delivering, he over delivers in the Absolutely. book. Absolutely, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's got 10 specific ways. That's kind of how the focus of the book. He's got 10 different ways. And then it's like, it's the perfect book, in my opinion. It has the perfect amount of theory. It has lots of practical tips. It has tons of examples uh, in it. And so I really, I mean, uh, this is just very nearly, and it's very easy to read the whole book. So uh, almost a perfect book in, um, in that regard. And the ideas are plentiful. You'll come away with tons of different ways that you can add small bits of value to your, you know, your buyer's journey or your customer's uh, process. I, it's I really, easy to do and, and it's usually not an additional cost. Yeah. And, and and he goes out of his way to show you and prove that the little things make a big difference. Those little things make a, a huge difference. So I think it's broken into three parts. And anyway, um, I really, uh, of, of our four, this is probably my favorite of the four this time, but um, his one takeaway was essentially what you said a second ago, which is, you know, you know, focus at least on 51% on your existing customer base, the ones you already have, and then do the things you need to do to get the customers you want by earning referrals. And uh, the the one thing, and this is going to sound like a, a broker record again, is the one thing that he thought listeners could do is sample your customers, actually talk to them, and find little ways to serve your current customer better, right? If you focus on your customers, you will get more customers. Uh, you know, it seems like common knowledge, but it is not common practice. Not at all. <laughs> anyway, a phenomenal book. I uh, highly, two thumbs up for me on that book. All right. Last up, we've got The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health, and How We Must Adapt by Sinan Aral. And th- this book dives headlong into the peril and the promise of social media. And honestly, it is fascinating. Tell us a little bit about your interview with uh, Sinan. If anyone has watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix and you're troubled by it, this is your book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This book goes into great depth. And now he's a business person. He's uh, an investor. Harvard Business School. Yeah, he's got his own. No, MIT. Oh, sorry. My bad. Those are fighting words up there in... uh, in the Boston area, but he—I think he did—he studied at Harvard at one point. But he's a professor at MIT, and uh, he sources all the 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 leading academic research on the effect of people's brains of social media and why uh, social media is so powerful, so why it's so addictive. And uh, he delves into fake news. He talks about uh, how, <laughs> interestingly enough. The marketers and Russian hackers who influence uh, the news through social media manipulation, mm-hmm. he, he lays out how they're really doing the exact same thing. Some for good, some not for good. But he talked about in the book about how uh, the Russian, there's an organization, and I guess it's part of their army, where they were able to influence news coverage when they rolled into Crimea to make it so that it seemed more acceptable. It was really troubling about how manipulative social media can be and how companies or uh, countries can manipulate uh, social media. It's, it's a little disturbing, actually, as you're yes, reading yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, of course, the final chapter is talking about reform, so hopefully there's, a, there's an end game there. Yeah, and uh, every legislator should probably read at least that last chapter that explains what, uh, what, what, what could be done if uh, something even you know can be done about it but he also talks about how the human need for social interaction it's like uh, you've poured with social media you've poured gasoline on a fire 
it's just it's uh, it's really messing people up, and it's it's um, polarizing people, and it's affecting uh, people's health because they're they're getting wrong information. He talks quite a bit about the phenomenon of fake news. Yeah, and, and it travels faster. <laughs> yes, fake news actually is shared more and uh, travels faster than real news. And part of it is because of the human brain's fascination with novelty, but also the fact that people, you know, there's an expression of you, you are what you share. And so a lot of people share things on social media because of what it might say about them. And in the instance of fake news, they're talking about how in the know they look and how current they look. And uh, maybe contrary, but the the same thing is he talks about how social media advertising. There are certain things that do better than others if you're going to use social media for advertising, and it has more to do with status. So, in other words, if you're advertising an e-commerce platform or a credit card on social media, it's just not that interesting, right? But if you're advertising uh, expensive watches or cars or something that might project something about people and their aspirations, that kind of product, those kinds of things are actually more effective on social media. It so it kind of ties back to identity. Yes, yes, very much so. So um, it, he's he's done you know decades of research and and, and all along this, and he's a, a an expert on all this on all the latest things related to social media and uh, its effect on society. So the book was a little bit of a departure from what I normally read and, and feature on the podcast. But for the interview, we actually did focus more on some of the, the marketing uh, type things. Indeed. And uh, his one takeaway was uh, in order to succeed in social media marketing, you, you have to move away from looking at correlation to looking at causation. So he's a big, big distinction there. And to remember that marketing is about behavior change, not just whether you're connecting or not with your audience. And the one thing he thought that uh, the listeners could do is start measuring what matters most. He didn't give any platitudes, no silver bullets, just so you, it, what's going to matter most is going to be um, contextual. But, yeah, uh, it brought to mind the notion of uh, not everything that can be measured matters, and not everything that matters can be measured. <laughs> Indeed. We've heard that several times, right? Yeah, so, but you have to look look at that sort of thing. And also, uh, he was talking about you know, a certain advertising, uh, digital advertising. It just The frequency doesn't work as well. It's better if you use it to reach people that uh, are less familiar with you uh, and uh, might be just starting their buyer's journey. That was a fascinating example of uh, wasted uh, social media advertising spend for a couple of really big companies where they actually spent less money and then actually they they raised revenues by spending less (laughs) on their digital marketing. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, he didn't hold back. He was saying that everybody that has something, you know, Social media platforms are in the attention business, and they are advertising platforms, okay? And we talked about that in last month's episode about uh, myths of social media. And they want your attention. They want to sell advertising, so they have a vested interest in telling you how well it works. And then anyone that 
helps with that. Like let's say an agency, basically you're compensated based on how much you're spending, not, not how well it's working. Right. And so kind of back to my days of being a, you know, an ad man in the New York 30 years ago. Yeah. It was all about the, the budget and the throw weight. And actually that did work back then when there were captive audiences, but it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a, a dirty little secret that it just doesn't work quite as well as everyone who has a vested interest in selling it asserts that it does. Yeah, but it does have good potential, right? So uh, there's some, he's got some good examples of that. So yeah, but you kind of have to know what you're doing. You do, <laughs> you do, as <laughs> which maybe Argus to get some help sometimes. So yeah. um, this book, I will say, this is uh, I'm going to go through this book a second time. This book is fascinating. And it has a lot of, there's a lot of content here, but I thought it was mind expanding. And so uh, I'm going to go through yeah. this book again, but I, I really uh, enjoyed the, just the a- analytics and the, um, the science behind some of these things that we don't uh, normally, that most of us take for granted. Yeah, a lot of science there. And it's a very significant book. So this is a book that they're going to be talking about years from now, I think. I know. So I, several other uh, folks that I had talked to had read it had said the same thing. They said, you know, this book's going to be a landmark in this particular space. So we, we can't stop talking about the book until I say that when I first heard of the book, The Hype Machine, I thought it was the unauthorized biography of Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> oh, I was going to say something about you. Gary but V gets the whole attention economy. He actually does talk about Gary Vaynerchuk on you know, page 200 or whatever. And that's where he was saying, look, I didn't like the guy. I didn't kind of buy into it. But then he realized I was completely wrong about Gary Vaynerchuk. He started, he started watching video after video of Gary Vaynerchuk. And then he said, Vaynerchuk, you got me. You just... You got me. I didn't realize it. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk understands that it's all about getting attention and yeah. how best to get leverage that. Yeah, and then he bites applying, uh, starts applying some science to it that what you want to do is get the attention at the lowest possible cost, right? Yes. So anyway, uh, a fascinating book. It has a lot of implications. It's one of those uh, you're not going to get all of the insights out of it, out of a single read. And so um, I think it's uh, a worthwhile investment. But yeah. that is it. That, that's the four books. And I actually loved all four books as usual. So tell us, uh, tell us what new books you've got coming up on the Marketing Book Podcast. The next time we come back here on uh, the monthly book talk. We have we a milestone, will... I think. Yes, yes. Uh, we are, I'm about to uh, publish the 300th episode. So the first book we're going to talk about is The Sticking Point Solution, Nine Ways to Move Your Business from Stagnation to Stunning Growth in Tough Economic Times by Jay Abraham, one of the most famous marketers. And what a timely book. The next one, which is the 300th episode, is Virtual Selling, a quick start guide to leveraging video, technology, and virtual communication channels to engage remote buyers and close deals fast by Jeb Blunt. It's his fifth visit to the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, rarefied air. The next is Standout Virtual Events, How to Create an Experience That Your Audience Will Love by David Merriman Scott and Michelle Manaffe. And actually, that'll be the sixth time Oh, David Merriman Scott has been on. This is a new book that he rushed out, kind of like virtual selling. I mean, it took him a while to write them, but they're both extremely helpful for what we're going through right now. Virtual selling and standout virtual events. And then Unleash Your Primal Brain, Demystifying How We Think and Why We Act by Tim Ash. And finally, Mastering Marketing Agility, Transform Your Marketing Teams and Evolve Your Organization by Andrea Frarier. 
And that's it for this month's B2B Growth Show Book Talk. To learn more about the Marketing Book Podcast, visit marketingbookpodcast.com. And to learn more about James and his excellent book that was once featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, the book is titled The Perfect Close. Visit Pure Mirror, and that's spelled P-U-R-E-M-U-I-R. And as I mentioned earlier, if either of us can recommend a specific sales or marketing book or other resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, connect with us on LinkedIn where we can chat and we'll do our best to get you pointed in the right direction. And remember, keep learning because these days the big learners are the big earners. Are you on LinkedIn? That's a stupid question. Of course you're on LinkedIn. Here at Sweetfish, we've gone all in on the platform. Multiple people from our team are creating content there. Sometimes it's a funny GIF or meme. Other times it's a micro video or a slide deck. And sometimes it's just a regular old status update that shares their unique point of view on B2B marketing, leadership, or their job function. We're posting this content through their personal profile, not our company page. And it would warm my heart and soul if you connected with each of our evangelists. We'll be adding more down the road, but for now, you should connect with Bill Reed, our COO, Kelsey Montgomery, our creative director, Dan Sanchez, our director of audience growth, Logan Lyles, our director of partnerships, and me, James Carberry. We're having a whole lot of fun on LinkedIn pretty much every single day, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. 